That's good. Well, let's begin. Remind ourselves of the impermanent nature of all phenomena, including the uh, experience of self and everything else. You can never know when it can change. And uh, by that uh, precious uh, moment of the concrete falling on the floor, May it lead us all to speedily awaken for the sake of all sentient beings and for all beings, wisdom, compassion, and non-clinging awareness. Uh, today, uh, one of the things I'd like to say about is, is how to build merit, but also more further on that, on that point. But I want to talk again about this body and... Uh, some of the methods that we employ or have been employed for thousands of years to uh, liberate the illusory uh, blindness, if you wish, of body, uh, feelings, states of mind, uh, all appearances. Uh, so I would like to talk about that today because some people, sometimes you wonder, well, what do I do? And it's good to actually understand where it comes from, some of these meditations, these major bodies of, of, of meditations, where it comes from. So we'll do that today. And uh, I'll start with uh, a few readings. Actually, there's a couple of books I'd like to suggest. There's one I haven't read, but I, I, it looks very good. I like the title. I've, I've read a couple paragraphs of it, but I actually haven't. Uh, I have it on the iPad now. I'd like to read it. And it's called The Self-Illusion. And it's written by, a, um, by Bruce Hood. The subtitle is called How the Social Brain Creates Identity by Bruce Hood. And Harper Collin. You can get it as an e-book. But The Self-Illusion. It looks like a very, very good book. Mar marvelous, interesting book. The Self-Illusion. Self-Illusion by, by Bruce Hood. And I don't know the date. I think it's very recent. It's just a few years old. What, what was the subtitle? How the social brain creates identity. You don't need that to find it. Good. So that's that's one book I'd like to to um, point you to. Let me know. You can give me a book review. Let me know. I'll read it. I'll get to it. But I've, I've got it on here. I want to read it at some point. Oh, maybe good um, for uh, teaching. And uh, I've been asked about the title of the book I've been reading from, just in case you didn't get it the first time. Uh, it's called The Way of Natural History. And it's by Thomas Fleischner, F-L-E-I-S... C-H-N-E-R. The Way of Natural History. Of which I'm going to read for a little bit. Just some, things, just some um, uh, thoughts while you're uh, swimming and uh, to fill in your, uh, some of your um, observations and about being on a coral reef or being anywhere, any ecosystem. 
And this author, I'm not sure, can't remember exactly who this is, but um, one of the authors in here, page, well, it doesn't matter, page 77, um, says some beautiful things here. Um, Ecosystems are complex and dynamic, and the fortunes of the species wax and wane on vast scales of space and time, from microhabitats of a few centimeters to large regional patterns of many kilometers, and from days to months, centuries, even millennia. This is beautiful. So remember that what you're seeing today out there doesn't last. Tomorrow, or in a, in a few years, that might be just sand. Uh, it could be the whole herd. I don't think that's the right name, biologically, but a whole herd of sea urchins uh, attack the coral reef you, you were at this morning, and uh, you come back in two years, and or a, um, a brittle star, or, or something, attacks it, or a virus, or a fungal attack, something like that, and you go, what happened? It's supposed to be the same. No, ecosystems change. All ecosystems change. And not just because of human interaction, they change. They must change. Like right now I was told uh, that there is a, uh, a viral infection of um, palm trees. It's wiped out palms. Uh, you can go to a place and, uh, you know, 10 years ago it was full of palms and come back they're dead. It's not because necessarily human interaction. It's normal. Okay. So, ecosystems are complex and dynamic, and the fortunes of the species wax and wane on vast scales of space and time, from microhabitats of a few centimeters to large regional patterns of many kilometers, and from days to months, centuries, or even millennia. I'm going to skip a little bit here. I'll just read this. My own research is focused on the coastal ecology of several major different habitats among the Rocky Coast, kelp forests, and Antarctic sea bottoms. My most important insights have come from efforts to consider the dynamics of plant and animal communities at many different scales of space and time. From many years of observing organisms in the field, good community ecologists can identify the important or strong interactions of an, in an ecosystem and focus on studying those relationships. But such, but such insights depend on genuine sensitivity to the large-scale natural history, the big picture. What's really going on? Big, big, big picture. The really big picture understanding that is a product of integrating many types of knowledge, especially history, climate patterns, and life story biology. Whatever the habitat, one must not only assimilate a wide range of historical and scientific literature, but also invest a great deal of time in the field, in the field, in order to acquire a meaningful feel for a system. The sense of place so essential to any good ecological understanding. This is beautiful, beautiful. And you can, uh, if you're self-centered, then you can say, what's my ecosystem? If you want to know about you, you're going to have to study your, your ecosystem. Now study it deeply. 
but not from a textbook, not by someone telling you this is how you are, this is how you should be, this is an explanation of who you are, but you have to go and really study, go into the field. Where's your field? People say it's inside. Well, it's not inside. There's no such thing, but okay. For now, we'll say it's inside. Go for a voyage inside to all of your um, fundamentals. Then he talks about um, historical understanding. He gives an example of, of his life and historical understanding, understanding a whole ecosystem by understanding the history of mining in the Sierra Nevadas. It's quite neat. Then he says, then he says, but this is not enough. I believe one must actually see, feel, and contemplate ancient but still living bristlecone or foxtail pine trees to truly appreciate their tenacity for life and to appreciate the dual nature of their physiological resilience as well as their extreme vulnerability to human-related disturbances, one needs to be with their babies. The small seedlings and saplings over a couple decades, during which they are buried under snow for consecutive years, to measure the very slow growth rates of these small trees and to see some die. So he's following decades of creatures in all their different stages to understand what's going on. Not just, histor not just big, big history, but also decades and sub-decades. The tales I've shared are my own, but I suspect that all successful community ecologists have similar personal histories in which they have developed that special feel or sense of place for a particular system. So we can, we can now apply, that's why I'm reading this, we can say, because you're more interested in you, we can say, do you have a special sense of place and a special sense of your ecosystem about you? Do you know your history? Now you'll say, well, yeah, I I've, I've know my history, but do you know your big history, the culture you came from, what your, your um, forefathers went through? Have you studied history? Do you know why your mannerisms and why your skin and your flesh and your bones, not just your family history, not just what they did to you, but big picture, why are you here? What's it like to be a human being living on the planet today, a hundred years ago, two, three hundred years ago? What's it like? It's important. Get a perspective. Oh, it's so tough today. It's been a lot tougher before. It's really easy today. Oh, it's really hard. The weather's changed. Or, oh, it's really tough. There's bugs. People used to live with lice. People used to go without food. This is really easy. This is really, really easy. All the hard part comes from internal stress. Make-believe today, pretty much. It's a very, very easy life. Free healthcare? Just about. Amazing, isn't it? Air travel, television, internet, it's amazing. Okay. The sense of place for a particular system. It is clear that the sense of place is critical to their scientific success. So are we going to have some scientific success with their own being? we're going to have to know our big picture, our big history, and micro history. Big picture is what? The history 
of creatures on this planet. Get real. We're creatures. What's it like to be a creature? Your creatureness. Your organismness. What's it like to be an animal on the planet Earth? Get real. Study it. What's it like to be a human? What's it like? What's it been like for the last ten thousand years? A million years? What what are communities like that have that have been hunter gatherer communities? Have you ever read, studied? Take some time out. Or is it all about me in my society, and that's what's important? Otherwise, we're not really talking about scientific success, according to this fellow here. My concern is that the modern trends, and you, you hear this a lot, right? each one of these essays is, they're, they're, you know, they're all probably 65, 70, 80 years old. My concerns about modern youth and modern science is, yeah. my concern is that the modern trends in both families and education are to eliminate these experiences of nature. Families no longer, sp not all families, but many families, families no longer spend quality time outdoors and the educational systems from kindergarten through graduate school have not only eliminated field experiences from instruction at all levels of natural history, but also even eliminated respect for these biologists who study classic biologi biological material. I know one biologist personally who's fed up because he does this. This is his way of being. He's also a lab scientist, but, but, and he's being pushed out of uh, university by the genomics and the DNA folks, whereas he likes to study the big picture and likes to put cells under a microscope. He likes to go to the field. He likes to tramp around and see how things are doing, how algae are growing and things like that. And, uh, you know, all that observational stuff, it's so old-fashioned. He has an old-fashioned lab. That poor dog. Sweet doggy. What about me? Hey, Max. We have a new friend. There is a strong trend to bring parts of plants and animals into the laboratory and to model rather than actually experience and respect nature itself. See nature by being in nature. Has anybody ever been around, ever, ever been around dogs in their natural setting? Feral dogs? Real dogs? These aren't real dogs. You know that, eh? These aren't real dogs. Do you know how many people don't know that these aren't real dogs? They're dogs, but they're not dogs in, where, in their natural setting. Cats don't live in their natural setting. A parrot in a cage in your nice home is not a natural parrot. Now, when it comes to a sea urchin pet, there's probably, it's pretty similar, you know, to having a sea, uh, to have a sea urchin in the aquarium, but not quite, you see. So going out and going, into, going diving, going and spending time in a forest, uh, going into retreat, is it natural, is a human being natural 
in an urban environment working, how can you really necessarily seed yourself in that stress state? Oh, but it's natural, it's normal. No, it's only because human beings have just invented cities, pretty much, and have moved into cities. Hundreds of thousands of years of evolution. And what we do today is now normal. It's not normal. It's abnormal. It's abnormal behavior. It's not normal or abnormal. It's just not necessarily what humans have been doing for a long time. So I like, I like this line. And we can apply it to everything. Let's apply it globally, not just to science. There is a strong trend to bring parts of plants and animals into the laboratory and to model rather than actually experience and respect nature itself. By the way, it's really hard to do field work. We've been trying to study uh, Dithlum Brightwell at Diatom out in the field by bringing it in the lab right away and looking at it. It's really tough. It's really tough to understand what's happening in the ocean. It's getting better, though. People are building the most extraordinary equipment that actually is in the ocean, that actually can determine species and genera going by at these diatoms. It's amazing. They have amazing, amazing machines today, the technology. But out there. But, but, but for decades and decades, it's all been under the microscope. What, what you see, in the mi un that's how life is. Not the case. But good try. Today, young scholars are asked to study ecology without any sense of place, any understanding of their actual organisms, uh, any, under any, any understanding of actual organisms living in real environments, characterized by their important histories. An intuitive sense of place, so necessary for an integrated understanding of living systems, must come from personal experience. I love this. It's beautiful. Smelling, feeling, and seeing the important relationships. Smelling and seeing. I tell you, I share this with you, you've heard this, I've said this before, I am concerned about internet learning. I was brought in on early meetings in the 1990s concerned with distance education at the university level, and I voiced my concerns then, I was ignored. What about smelling? Now, I didn't say this because I knew I'd be removed from the room as a senior administrator. What about smelling your instructor? What about the feel of mentorship? What about watching? Oh, no, no, we can do it all by television. We'll all do it by pre-done pre, pre videos. Just, we'll just hook everybody up on televisions. And so we so invite us as an art institution. Would we like to enter into distance learning education this way? I said, wait a minute. How you hold a file. So, yes, this is how you hold on a video. But how you hear it, how you smell it, how you... Uh, work at a bench is a feel. In the same way, laboratory, other things, it's the feel of it, the feel of it. Can you get this? Yeah, you can. Not quite the same. So we can have, uh, I have some on my, my uh, this, la this iPad, we can have some field studies of going to the African savanna and studying the African through videos. But you don't smell it. You don't step in elephant poo. You don't get the feel of it. Like watching pictures of, uh, of a Calcutta slum 
and being taken through in a Calcutta slum on a nice clean movie is not the same as smelling it and feeling it. But this is what it's become. So I, I, I do express my concerns. In the same way that uh, I've met people who's, who've told me that for 10 years they studied meditation by computer. So I said, what's your problem? I'm a mess. Of course you're a mess. Of course you're a mess. I've tried every meditation out there. Exactly. Okay. So, an intuitive sense, intuitive sense, that is deep, deep intuiting, a feel, uh, a uh, something that's much bigger than the, the, just the intellectual approach, an intuitive sense of place so necessary for an integrated understanding of living systems must come from personal experience, smelling, feeling, and seeing the important relationships. It's be beautiful. Well put. Well put. The other thing I wanted to read to you, which, which, which was uh, a carryover from yesterday, uh, one of my favorite occupations in life uh, is to read New Scientist every week. Uh, I'm way behind. This is uh, December the 8th. Yeah. Uh, I am way behind. But this is, this is a, 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 a section in the magazine they call the, the Big Idea. And this one is on allergies, written by uh, some professors on allergies, proposing what the evolutionary purpose is of allergies. Stop calling allergies bad. There's a reason for them, just like pain. If it's there, there's a reason. So they're proposing what the reason is. But I wanted to read something to you which is, uh, says everything about everything. One of those beautiful paragraphs I come up, well, like every issue I come across something, I go, whoa, this is great. So they're, they're proposing three different aspects of the, evo the evolutionary importance of allergies. They just don't, and one of the things they're saying is, if you have an allergy, we've discovered that the best way around it is you get out of the environment of it. It's because evolution is telling you it does you harm, remove yourself. That's what it's there for. Just like pain, if you, if you walk across, if you have a lot of uh, broken glass on a pathway and you're getting pain because it's going in your feet, it's telling you to put shoes on. I'm tough. Okay. okay. This is a, listen to this paragraph. Now they're talking about allergies and allergic responses and they're talking about some of the biochemistry of it and evidence for their theories. Whether true or not doesn't matter. I'll read two paragraphs. As anyone who suffers from allergies knows, by the way, it's about one, of, one in, what's the number? It's extraordinary. One in 50 globally are affected by a serious allergy. One in 50 globally. So it's not just something that happens to, you know, they're, you know they got a problem because they're, they're allergic to that food. Oh, it's something that happens in North America. It's something that happens only to Europeans. It happens to, to only fusspots. It only happens to urban dwellers. No, it's, it's global. There must be a reason for it. As anyone who suffers from allergies knows, the best way to treat an allergy is to leave the environment in which it flares up and avoid that environment in future. So if you're allergic to your partner, I'm actually, I, I have to say that. I have to say that. Okay. 
So if many allergens are toxic, then the allergic response could be interpreted as, a condition, as conditioning people to avoid environments that contain potentially harmful toxins. This, is ne this next paragraph is the one I really want to read. But in rare cases, I, don't, I would say not rare, but they're saying rare, but in rare cases, allergies themselves can also become conditioned via the nervous system. For example, someone allergic to flowers may reach a point where they show an allergic reaction to a mere picture of a flower. I want you to consider the importance of this discovery for everything. It's not the flower necessarily, it's the image, the map triggers the allergic response. The brain, we know this, is not make-believe, it's not new age stuff. The evidence is overwhelming, well studied, that the nervous system is directly tied into the immune system. Completely tied in. Sorting what is a genuine allergy and what is a conditioned response from a map is not so easy. Why? The same response happens in the body. So if you have a flare-up of sand flight bites, is it because there's actually an allergic response or is it because of the memory of a, a bad sandfly episode? Which one is it? Sort that one out. And you'll find the same chemicals in your system. So I told you, I asked you yesterday, do you eat food or do you imagine food? Do you drink coffee or do you imagine coffee? Can you sort that out? What, what are you responding to? Are you responding to the actual substances or are you responding to the mental map? This makes sense, this makes sense of a sort because unlike the source of microbial pathogens, the sources of allergens are often readily identifiable by sight, which may make avoidance the key strategy for minimizing exposure. Makes sense. Flowers, uh, uh, thick air, air pollution, dust, um, things you can, you can see, uh, snakes, bees, certain types of, of, uh, of organic matter, these kinds of things, and that makes, that makes uh, perfect sense. At least it makes sense. So uh, I want to read that to you. I love mainstream science for that. They say things and you go, wow. Important, important, important discovery. Little things like that are important. Little details is, are you responding to the image of the flower, or are you actually having allergic response? Did someone tell you that uh, the flowers can be allergic, and then you have allergic response, or are you still having an allergic response to that food, or are you having a memory map of that food? This is one of the reasons I love coffee tasting so much. Coffee t blind coffee tasting is great for removing your bias out of the map of what you're expecting and having to just go, what is this taste? Can you taste it without thinking you saw the bag or you want it to be this? Or wine tasting or perfume smelling. This is really good. Can you be barely present with it and really go into those uh, senses and intuitively bring up 
uh, perhaps where it's from or how it's made and these kinds of things. That's hmm? something. Let's go. So, uh, to uh, any questions about that at all? Yes. So, if everything is mapped, how do we create them in the first place? Well, because not we everything's a map because sometimes we encounter things for the first time. For instance, that's what's wonderful about bringing people to a coral reef. You do have a map because almost everybody here has watched, you know, if you were born, if you were raised in the, in the 50s and 60s, of course you watched Sea Hunt and Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea and all kinds of, or, or Jacques Cousteau over and over again. So you already know what a coral reef is, not by direct experience, but at least uh, from a television or a video or something. Okay? But uh, still, bringing you to a coral reef or bringing you to a jungle ecology or bringing somewhere to you've never been before means you don't have the map for that or you have some maps for it. So then you acquire new maps or you don't acquire new maps or you keep the same map because you saw a video years ago on dangerous reef creatures or you watched uh, five episodes of Jaws, you know, Part one, part two, part three, part four, Jaws eating the boat, Jaws swallowing all the people, you know, Jaws, 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 Jaws. So now when you go to Coral Reef, you go, <laughs> where is the shark? Where's the great white? There aren't any great whites. Actually, there are great whites all over the world. I don't know if you know that. Great whites everywhere. Almost everywhere. So which, which, where's the map? How do you acquire it? Sometimes you only need to see, hear, taste once. Sometimes it's over time. Sometimes it's a little traumata. Uh, sometimes it's a trauma. And sometimes not even that. Just, it, is there an emotional connection at the time? I mean, it can be that someone doesn't have an emotional connection with their reef diving or their snorkeling and goes back and someone says, well, what did you see? And I don't know, actually. I had a good time, but... I don't know. It's a good time. Actually, I remember the beer. I remember the beer. But um, I'm not so sure about the coral reef. It was a bit of a blur. But no, there's no um, uh, e emotion in a, in a deep enough way to lay down uh, memory tracks. It's quite phenomenal what people develop maps about. It's really, but we do have cells that are designed for faces, but we do have specific cells designed around things that are very common to all humans because they've been there for millennia. Face maps, body maps. Uh, uh, men and women, but especially men, can measure how they, they detect uh, the hip-waist ratio of females within a fraction of a second. They don't have to take out a, a, a tape to measure. It's done like that. Whether it accords to a genetic ratio of fitness, it doesn't matter if the woman's this wide or this wide, there's a hip-waist ratio, which is ideal uh, genetically for bearing women. And it's printed out like that in a male. They don't even know what's happening. Just, I like, don't like, like. But then you see it gets weirded because if you look at magazines or watch television, and the hip-waist ra hip ratio is changed into anorex anorexic 
um, teenagers, uh, women that look like teenagers, as being sexy symbols, then it's confusing. Because then you're getting a message which is, this is the way it's, you're supposed to get turned on, and this is the way your organism. So it's now what, what Paul McLean, who's a great famous brain researcher back in the 60s and 70s, said, schizophysiology, which is a beautiful term, is the limbic system, the emotional part of your brain, is telling you one thing, and the conditioning of this lifetime is telling you another, and the two don't go hand in hand. So now you have a, you have a hormonal war going on. He was, he was the first to really explain this physiologically. You now have a war. Not only do you have a war between right, this isn't quite right because there's no such thing, okay? So we have to stop this. Right and left, right and left hemispheres. By the way, for a normal human being, the right and left hemispheres are actually connected. Remember that. We don't have separated left and right hemispheres. We say, oh, I'm having a right hemisphere moment. It doesn't, doesn't work that way. Okay? It's a right, I'm having a right hemisphere meditation. No, you have two hemispheres with a bridge between them, and they communicate really well, whether you know it or not. But you've also got this, this, this uh, center, this, this area of the brain, which is very, very ancient and lizard-like. Guys and gals, it's lizard-like. And uh, cut away all this, and you'd still be functioning. <laughs> yeah, limbic system. You only need a little, it's been turned out, you need very little brain matter to function. As a matter of fact, some people have done very, very well when they did autopsies or they did a brain scan. You don't have much of a brain, but you're doing fine. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Squashed or all kinds of things. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're doing just fine. Thank you for letting me know. You don't, you don't actually have much of a brain. It's only like that thick around that. And yet, a little bit gone, you're dead or you can't function. It's quite something. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> it's true. It's really case. So this schizophysiology is a wonderful uh, model for what's going on with most people, especially the urbanite. That's been taught how to act, how to behave, how to talk, how to behave, how to social, and the limbic system's going off by crazy and saying, I want to mate with her, or I want to mate with him. No, you're not allowed to. Talk nicely. You know, or, or do that, or do, you know. so. Uh, 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 I want to eat now. You're not supposed to. It's not the time to eat. You're supposed to eat between the hours of six and seven. I want to eat now. I want a snack now. No, you're not allowed to. I don't want to be in school because it's raw, it's not natural to my biorhythm. Sit down and behave and learn. Ah! So the schizophysiology starts really, really early, really early. And it's, it's like a neurological, uh, uh, neurochemical war going on that sets up patterns the rest of your life. Different parts of your being talking and going, yes, no. Uh, I'd like to. No, you won't. If I could only... You can't. It's the case. You can feel that, actually. Feel that. I want to, but I can't. So let's talk about maps again. So, yes? How is that resolved? This, this 
It's easily resolved. It's easily resolved. And the way you resolve it is you go down into the root, deep down into the brainstem, deep down into the limbic system, and clean it out so that the actions are clean. That means that the, uh, um, the cortical structures are actually communicating and flowing well with the limbic system. It's clean. It flows clean. That's what's meant by the purification of greed, hatred, delusion into wisdom. You've got to go down really deep into your fabric. I, I believe that in the future we talk about the, the channels and the nadis and cleaning of the you know, the, 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 the pristine nature of the chakras and all this meditation. Oh, thank you. Uh, we're going to find out that all that's mapped in the brain as well. Not to say it doesn't exist out there, but it's just mapped in the brain. And uh, that, that the chemical balance of, of good hormonal neurochemical flow means that there's clear communication. That means you don't actually have to think about it. You act well. Do you understand? You go down and clean well down deep, and then everything that comes up matches. So it is said, it's a very old statement, that one of the definitions of an arahat, a fully purified being, in the, in the tradition of insight, tradition of, is that what goes on in the inside is mirrored on the outside. What you see is what you get. No games. Unless, out of compassion, there must be. You know, it could be. Uh, you know, there's a gun, someone's got a gun, they want to shoot you. You may actually have to play a game to get out of that. That, that would be compassionate to, to save your life or other people's lives. But, but, but uh, on a general principle, that what you see is what you get. That is, what's on the face, what's being said, is actually what's deep and down inside. They're, they're now fused. How do you do that? You have to go down and let all that confusion straighten itself out. That's how it's done. So that leads me into the topic I want to get to. All these maps are very confusing for a lot of people. Actually, most people don't even know they operate by maps at all. So it's doubly confusing. So how do you go about uh, clarifying the maps, which is what Raphael's asking? Well, if the body image is built up layer upon layer upon layer of sensation, layer upon layer of confusion about what it is, including the illusion that it's actually something real out there, real. Yeah, I got an arm. I can feel it, right? Don't we do this all day? Here's my arm. You're not actually hitting your arm. You're hitting a mental image of an arm. How are you going to do that? Well, one way is to do uh, uh, bare mindfulness with insight, with looking, with looking and good question to come to that. The other method, to go so deep, now we want to go really deep, hormonally, uh, emotionally, cognitively, electrochemically deep, is the way to do that is you need a new body. You need a body that's not your own body, that is such an awake body, not a dog body, you see. Because you know, yogis in India tried that. They said to the Buddha, you know, we practice dog yoga. And we were told that if we become completely, perfectly a dog, these, these yogis uh, were eating off the floor, they were eating off the ground, 
they were uh, sleeping, just they, pretending to be dogs completely, will become liberated, will become free, liberated beings. And what do you think, O Buddha? Oh, sir, what do you think? Oh, o Lord, in the text. He said, well, you know, he's being very polite. What you will become if you act like a dog and mirror being a dog is you'll become a dog, but you won't become enlightened. This makes sense, doesn't it? If you mirror being like somebody else, you'll be, watch who you'll become. Watch your role models. That's who you soak up. I don't know, just because you're an adult doesn't mean you, just don't, you don't mirror and, and imitate anymore. We imitate all the time. We do it all the time. We soak it up. So what are you going to soak up that will fundamentally change deeply this mirror image that you have, this image of yourself, is we employ what's called Yidam Yoga, which is we need a new body. But we don't just need any body, we need a body that's an enlightened form body that has all the characteristics embedded in that imaginary body that, that goes very, very deep into the maps and straightens out the maps. Thank you. That's quite, quite right. Straightens out the maps. So what one does, because so many of you have practiced, some of you don't, but so many of you have practiced uh, what's called Yidam Yoga or Rising Yoga, where you imagine yourself as Chenrezig, you imagine yourself as what, what they call Tibetan figures, most of them are from India, uh, but you imagine yourself as a, a Manjusri, Chenrezig, Medicine Buddha, a Buddha figure, an, a completely enlightened figure. Means that to actually visualize yourself as that figure, that's what you're doing with your body all day long. So now what you do is you take an imaginary figure called a Buddha, in some form, and you have to imagine your form, your speech, your movement, and your mind in that form. And they give you a practice text called the sadhana, which, is, which means accomplishment text, a, a means of accomplishment to practice being something else. Normally, we practice to be somebody else. Mommy, daddy, uh, the boss, you know, if you, if you study the boss long enough, you might actually get to be in their seat someday. If you want to be a bank president, you are especially socialized to uh, mirror that behavior, and you have to apprentice for a little while to see if you got the, the, the maps that everybody recognizes as bank president or oil executive president or mommy or daddy, whatever it is, you see, or llama. Somebody asked me not long ago in a public talk. So. Um, Tell me, uh, you know, what's the training? What did you do to become a llama? That sort of thing. I want, can I be a llama too? So it wasn't quite as blatant. It was pretty close, wouldn't you say? It was pretty blatantly close. I had a good time with that. But, you know, so, so like, what, what, what do you do, you know? On, tell me what you, what you do. What did you do? So how do I become a, a llama? Yeah, I want to be a llama. You know, what do you, what do you do to become a Dharma teacher? What, what's, what's, what, what's, what, what levels? You know, is it level one training or level two training? You know, what, is it a black belt and lamas or what? What is it? How do, you, how do you do that? What I wasn't hearing was the intent to liberate all beings. Yeah, that's right. Max knows. Liberate all beings. 
So one of the most powerful and direct ways is to do what the cognitive system does anyways, which is to imitate mirror. By most people uh, fantasize all day long. They visualize all day long. They um, daydream all day long. Actually, for a lot of the day. You just don't know it until you go into retreat. Then you'll say, you know, as you say, oh, most people say, oh, it's about 65, 70% of the day. And then they go into retreat and they go, 95% of the day is spent in daydream. But you see, it's worse than that. It's far worse than that. Because even when you're not you to- well toasted? Oh. Uh, okay. Yeah. Lack of memory of map. Where did the tissue go? So even when you're not daydreaming, I'll just wait until everybody's reaching for the something. Well used. Well used tissue? No, it's just semi 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 used tissue. Some used tissue. Some used tissue. Even when there isn't daydreaming and thinking, one is still holding and reacting, verbally or non-verbally, to maps. Find out. Before you reach for the glass, you already know where the glass is. Everything's mapped. How did I do that? Everything's mapped to the millimeter. Everything. It's all been taken in. It's mapped. It's not out there. Can I? Could I do that? Because I didn't need my. I didn't need to look. I didn't even need to click. Oh, that's right. Sorry. Everything. You think everything's fresh? It's not. News. That's not bad, by the way. You just have to know it. The important thing is, saying, is telling you, it's not bad. It's just you have to get to experience it. Freedom comes from knowing not from burying your head in the sand. So one of the most effective methods of liberation, deep, deep liberation, is to become the body to assume, act out, the body of a liberated being and get your act together. So when you practice Yadam Yoga, it's saying, okay, are you going to wait 30 million Kalpas or eons, 30 million, 30 billion billion years, which is about one eon, to become enlightened, or are you going to do it now? Well, how do I do it now? Be it. How do I be it? You must use your voice, you must change your voice, you must change your body, and you must change your, your uh, mind, body, speech, and mind. In the same way, I've, I've threatened students this way, I said, you know, if you don't behave and get your act together, uh, what we'll do is we'll uh, get you a job as a CEO of Ford Motor Company. We'll just put you there. One day, all of a sudden, we just fly you to Michigan, and you assume the role of a chief executive officer of Ford Motor Company. That will change your being. Because why? You'll have to be a whole new being to do that. 
somewhere you have to change clothes. When you go to the coral reef, you have to change clothes, right? To go to the coral reef. You could go to the coral reef in your street clothes or in a suit and tie or in a dress. But normally we put on a different set of clothes that makes sense and a tank and goggles, right? To go and do that. Then you get the people that negotiate with me. Well, I want to go explore my mind and I want to become liberated, but I don't want to change my clothes. You can't tell me to change my clothes. You can't tell me to change. I don't want to change, but I do want liberation. Well, actually, I don't really want liberation. What I want is uh, something better, but I don't really know what it is. That takes great maturity to actually want liberation. Is this making some sense? This is how deep it is. That schizophysiology is deep because it's highly conflicted. I think I know what I want, but then I find that I don't know what I want. So if you want to know really where the basis of a rising yoga or what's called generation stage yoga is, or uh, tantric, uh, uh, tantric meditations with form, whereas the teaching I, I'm giving you of the meditation from Mipam Rinpoche is tantric meditation without any form at all, but it's tantric meditation. No form. Take it all away. But before we take it away, we're going to have to change some body maps. Does this make sense? Why? It's just too thick. It's simply too thick to be able to be there with awareness. Without... Or... Don't like myself. Or... Oh, yeah. Nose is a bit big. Or, you know, whatever it is. Or... Gee, look at that foot. Looks a bit swollen. Look at those bumps. So to be with awareness requires very clean maps. That you know what a map is. Why? Because all you want to do then is go from body map, sensory map, feeling map, emotional map, one after the other after the other. Instead of hanging out in space. Just being with spaciousness. Yeah, but where's the object? Where's the fun in a spaciousness? Give me a person. Give me a person's face. I'm designed for faces. I'm designed for bodies. So what we do in Yidam Yoga is we build up a very, very detailed map of another being's, an enlightened being's body, make it our own, Feel the energy, feel the aliveness, feel the flow, feel the light, feel the glow of the mind, feel the speech. Omani pe me hong, omani pe me hong, omani pe me hong. Mean it. And then what do we do? We dissolve the whole thing away into spacious awareness. And because there's enough merit, and because there's enough strength, and the body map is no longer your body map, you can let go. But when the body map is so tenacious, the mental map, the emotional map is so tenacious, we don't want to let it go. We don't want to let go into spacious awareness. So if you're having a difficult time going, so what is this awareness and why am I doing it and it doesn't last very long and so on, it's because the body, speech, mind maps are in the way. That's all. They're just in the way. 
there's not enough relaxation around them. You, the being simply wants to cling to what it knows best, which is two arms. How about, how about 16 arms? Would you want 16 arms? Oh, but it's just imaginary. What happens when it's not imaginary? It's all imaginary. When you visualize yourself as Yamataka with 16 arms and each one carrying an implement, and you can do it really clearly, you will start to discover that when you go like this with your own arm, it feels the same. And when you've got 11 heads, you're going to go, well, 11 heads feels the same as one head. Four heads feels the same as one head. No head feels the same as a head. That breaks through the illusion of all the maps. Speech. Saying a mantra that comes from revelation of Buddha speech only. Realigns all the energies in your being. Omani Pei Mihong isn't just a speech from here. It actually should go right to your toes, go right to the fabric of all your cells, so all your nadis are breathing. Omani Pei Mihong, Omani Pei Mihong, Omani Pei Mihong, Omani Pei Mihong, Omani Pei And feel that one is, feel that one is, not just visualize, feel, breathe that one is Chenrezig. Say that you're Chenrezig. This is huge. Until all your speech, no matter what kind of speech it is, is enlightened speech. It says good things. It unfolds beings. It unfolds yourself. And of course, what you'll feel is the mind of the Yadam, the mind of the Buddha, which is what? Clear, spacious, vivid, loving, compassionate, uh, unfabricated, unconstructed awareness. That's the mind of a Buddha. That's how it's done quickly. But it's hard because it takes you to reach in and let go of you for another. You might let somebody else into your life. You might. You might. You might fall in love with someone and let them into your, into your being. Some people can. Some people have a very hard time doing that. I'm scared. What, what happens if I lose? What happens if they leave me? What happens? They might. As a matter of fact, they're going to. Isn't that right? Everybody that you have a relationship is going to disappear on you. Sooner or later. Even before they die, they disappear on you all the time. You close your eyes, they disappear. You think I mean funny, but actually, they, when you go to sleep, they disappear. When you wake up, they're a different being than them. But the fear level of letting uh, the other into your being can you become a sea anemone? Can you feel what it's like to be a, uh, a grouper? Not a groper, a grouper. See, some people want to be gropers and some people want to be groupers. <laughs> Some people want to snap at people. Some people want to be snappers. Can you become a coral reef? Can you become the ocean? What's it like to be an ocean? Can you let it into your heart to let go so much that you just there is ocean, there is river, there is just sky, there is clouds, there is fire? These are classic meditations. 
until you go and there is just sky. Unlimited sky. What's it like to be an eagle soaring? Now, I can imagine that. That's not the same. It works. <laughs> this is making sense. So the ability to be—I'm going to make—I can just make a joke. The ability to be alienly entered, you know, like, like something like alien, because that's what people's fear are. What would happen if I lose me? You have to lose you to become liberated. You're going to have to lose. Do you know that? You're going to have to lose, lose, you in order to let the other in. What's the other? The universe. It's that simple. You will not receive blessings unless you get out of the way. You know that. When you fall in love, you get out of the way for the other. Right? So what do you do? You use that as a platform for what? Getting out of the way to let the uni- all the universe in. Not just one being. All the universe in. So you practice. However you practice, you practice to uh, let your heart and your, your, your brain, let it open so you can actually study the universe as opposed to pretend to study the universe. This is very frightening for some people. No, I want to become enlightened, but I don't want to let anything in. I want to become enlightened, but I want to stay exactly the same. Good luck. You can't be the same. Matter of fact, you can't be the same moment to moment. You can't be the same person every day. It's not allowed by life. Sorry, not allowed by life. If you had the insight, you'd see that every day you're a different being. If you had the insight, the real insight, you'd see that every single moment, whatever a moment is, there's no such thing as a moment, but anyway, whatever a moment is, you are not the same being. If you have the mindfulness that's that sharp, you will sit there and go, this is just not the same. Moment by moment by moment, it's an ever-changing 120 trillion cells moving, shifting, changing, flowing, doing different things. You're not even the same being. Moment to moment, it's exciting. But that comes with with really letting go, ever-fresh awareness that's actually residing in transience. It's residing in emptiness. These are real experiences, by the way. Real thing. Real thing. So you have to soften your heart. You have to soften it so much you can let the enlightenment mind, the enlightenment speech, the enlightenment body in. And how do you do it? First, you have to change clothes. One way is change clothes. Get a new wardrobe. Go to new places. As I say, you, you two amaze me, the intrepid explorers. Always changing clothes. Well, I see the same t-shirt over and over again, but you keep moving to new places to explore those places. That's fantastic. It's really good. It demands that you change cognitively. It demands that you let go. But it's not enough. You have to have a high degree of mindfulness 
towards liberation for liberation to occur. It's the intent. It's the intent of the purpose. So someone tells me, oh, well, you know, I traveled all around the world last year. I get these. I go, so what? Well, I explored the universe. I was doing a spiritual journey. So what? Nothing changed. Well, things change. You have to go way down. So your question about maps, way down deep into the limbic system, way down deep into the brainstem. Like that. To be able to model new changes, to let the nervous system make adjustments. So you, you, you hear about people speaking in tongues. You hear about people quaking and shaking. You hear about people having tr tremendous body, speech, uh, mind changes in, in deep retreat. Why? Because the nervous system is undergoing big changes. It's straightening itself out. It's not because the teacher's saying, I want, your, I want your amygdala different today. You come back when your amygdala is different. Come on, I want to see your, your, um, a little bit of a, a bigger amygdala or a squash, you know, to take off a little bit of the such and such area, you know, and redo your thyroid uh, secretions. No, it's not like that. Just let it, let it unbind. But one way is instead of just letting it unbind, is bind it. This is called yoga. Bind it. That's the word what yoga means. Bind. Bind it into something good. So you need to nurture yourself. One way to nurture yourself is to bind it to a reflection, which is a better reflection that you've got going. That's called guru yoga. It's the very essence of guru yoga. To be in the presence and spend time with a consciousness and a speech and a body that actually is unbound, so you can feel what that's like. It's harder over the internet. I, I often say, you know, the reason why people study with each other is they smell right. You think it's about, you know, oh, that's, that was very good teaching. No, very, very rarely. People gravitate towards beings that smell right. Mm. Yeah, smell right. It's you know you know that, that lovely statement, that lovely line from 1940s, 1950s gangster movies, Chicago gangster movies. They're all sitting around a table, and the, the Don is sitting there, the the head gangster, and he goes, they're all having a meeting, a high level meeting. He goes, oh, I smell a dirty rat. You know that one? You dirty rat! I smell a dirty rat. Take him out, right? Smell. Something doesn't smell. I smell a narco. I smell a narc. Is that narc? Narco. Huh? Narc. Narco. I smell a narco in the room. Who's the narc? Which one of you is the narc? You can always assume now, he gets these days, that there is an arc, right? Someone's going to be a narc. That smell is there. Smell of goodness, smell of not so good. But so this is, this is it. You have to go way down deep. Then you don't have to be concerned about what's right or wrong. Less and less are you concerned about what's right or wrong. It feels right. It is primarily right. Even if you have to say something or do something that's very difficult or appears societally wrong, it's right and the results are right. Why? Because deep down it came from straightened out deep down material. Hmm. 
if beings will let you. If they don't let you, they boil you in oil. Yogis have been boiled, teachers have been boiled in oil, they've been poisoned, they've been killed, they've been spiked, they've been shot. Why? In the best interest of liberation, some people didn't like it. It's happened, it will continue to happen. That's why some of these uh, uh, Rinpoche's, the heads of school, sometimes they go around with bodyguards. Are there anybody around the building ready to go? Yeah, because there's crazies out there. When I went to visit His Holiness the 16th Dalai Lama, uh, the uh, 17th Karampa, in, well, he just arrived out of Tibet. I was met with um, armed guards with submachine guns. Led up to his room with uh, guards. And standing during my interview, at attention just over here, were uh, Indian military. There's a reason for it. And the same thing when the Dalai Lama gives, gives public talks in India. You might not see that, I guess, I don't know, I haven't been to North America, but in India, there's, there, there is Indian military and there are plain-closed uh, types with guns. Because there are crazies. And there's people out to kill them. And by the way, people think it's Chinese. I have news for you. It may not be the Chinese. It might be his own people. Because he sometimes says disturbing things. True things, but disturbing things. They don't accord with the map, you see. That's all it is. You see, you're not fearful for the outer, you're fearful for the inner map. Once you realize that, it takes a load off your, your shoulders. There is no, no thing out there you're fearful of. It's the map. It's an allergic reaction to the flower, not the thing. But you also have to be wise enough to know when to get out of danger. That's a dangerous situation. It's an allergic re reaction, or allergic situation. It's a dangerous, get out. It's a bad, it's a toxic environment, leave. Get out, get out, get out. Other beings, they can't read it. It's toxic. No, it's not, actually. You're toxic. I, I love, wonderful time, you know, there was a time when Namjoon Rinpoche was occasionally being accused of abuse. You know, you're abusive. Someone said, you know, you know abusive, he's abusive. He really gets down on us. He really, you know, creams us. I remember one... The only beings abusive are you're being abusive to yourselves. It was beautiful. You're killing yourselves, don't you realize? You're killing yourselves. Those maps are beating you. And you think they're real. I'll never forget the day he came out of a class, because someone asked him about it. Once again, he was giving this beautiful talk on totality. And right at the end, someone said, Sir, I'd like to know about my emotions. Something like that. He's like, dumbfounded, like, what? So he comes back to the house. We get in the car. He comes back to the house. He was, wasn't well. I mean, he was, he was dying. He was giving half an hour classes and going, can you do that? <laughs> Surely. So come back to the house. And he sat there like this on the couch and goes, he's going to go into his room and probably have smoke. But anyways, sitting on the couch like this. He looks at me. He says, they do know. Don't. Do, do they not know that emotions aren't real? I said, no, sir, they don't. What? No, they don't. He does this dramatic, oh my God, oh my God, and goes to his room. 
The enlightenment mind sees the illusion. It might have emotions, but it sees illusion. And if it's really enlightened, not just glimpsed, it has untwisted the neural networks way down deep. So what flows out is enlightenment mind, not 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 uh, a floatsome and jessum. You know, floatsome and jessum, the uh, styrofoam logs uh, of the ocean. But what flows out is coral reefs and jewels and, and so on. How do you do that? You can't pretend to do that. You have to go down so deep that what comes out uh, is jewel-like. So it's natural. If it's not natural, it's pretend. Teaching isn't about pretend. It's about natural. What's your natural face? Isn't that what it says in the text? Natural face. Find your natural face. Your natural face is the essence of mind. Unobstructed, spontaneous, clear essence of mind. From that, it changes your nervous system. The observation and the indwelling of the essence of mind, the pristine awareness, changes the nervous system. It chemically washes it clean. Guaranteed. Cleaner and cleaner and cleaner. That's called purity. It's called purification. Cleaner and cleaner and cleaner. So that's what I wanted to say today. And I'll tell you, the microbes might be might much happier. There's, 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 if there's only 10% human, less than 10% human cells anyways, you know, it may be better to cooperate with them than fight them. They might really enjoy having good messages come out. They might really enjoy having different body chemistry and mental states and speech and good food and good environments. They might be very happy getting in the ocean water every once in a while. Do you know that there's urban children who have never been to a farm? That our dear Jamie, many of you have met Jamie, our dear Jamie, when he, uh, he won't mind, because it's kind of fun, but he played a prank on his fellow high school students, who were girls, and uh, told them, and they're living in a farming community, and told them, because they say, well, you know, talking about milk, he says, you know where the milk comes from? Where? Where does the milk come from? It comes from the 7-Eleven, from the, they have like a machine at the local uh, grocery store. And that manufactures the milk. These are, these are, these are uh, teens from a farming district of Ontario who didn't know where milk came from. This is no joke. This is, this is a joke, but it's true. Not just people living in Toronto or Vancouver or New York who've never seen it, but people living in a farming community in a small little town in a farming community that haven't gone out to sea because your school doesn't take them on school outings five kilometers or two kilometers to a farm to see that there's cows and cows have udders and cows eat grass and they make milk. But they are taught sex education. Guaranteed, there would be, thanks to you, Nathan, they're going to get sex education but not cow and milk education. Isn't that astounding? You started a revolution. You helped start a revolution, but look what's happening. 
you know, what is a cow? You know, it's, you know it's for most people, it should be a revelation. You show them plankton under a microscope, you say, this is where almost all of the oxygen on the planet comes from. Not the trees. Trees, yes, some. But mostly from this. These creatures are allowing you and all the other, most of the other beings to live. That should be a revelation. That when you go swimming in that, that's sustaining life on this planet. Those ecosystems are critical for life on this planet. Who cares about a reef? Let's build another hotel. Let's, you know, contaminate it with silt and pollution. Yeah. Let's get rid of all the mango swamps. They're pretty dirty looking anyways. Let's get rid of mango swamps. Well, you get rid of your fisheries, then the fisheries die. Then we have to go to other countries and raid their fisheries. So you see, ignorance ignorance. And it starts with what? Fear around self. Anxiety around a map. Uh, an image that comes up to mind that's called you. And it's basically a movie theater where you go into a movie theater and you react all day to movies. Come out of the movie theater once and you won't react the same way. So when I'm in Queen, I don't normally do this other place. But when I'm in Queenstown, I usually uh, teach movie yoga, and take people to the movies, and we actually practice movie yoga. Yeah, it's powerful. People have powerful experiences. You can walk out of a movie. You can wake up in a movie and look around and go, "Wow, this is what I thought it was." Then go back in. Go back out. Go back in. Go back out. Go back in. Go back out. Yeah, but it's going to ruin my fun of the movie. I paid, I paid $12. You're ruining, I, people have said that. You're going to ruin the fun of, like, paid $16 or whatever it is now, and you've ruined the fun of going to a movie. So what? You want to awaken or you want to... I don't want to go to a movie. You know, it was a marvelous thing. I'll just tell you, this is fantastic. Last time I taught, or maybe the last time before that I taught this, I decided just impishly, I didn't know really why, I just, I do things like that. I brought a glass of wine down. Someone gave me a bottle of wine, and so I thought, okay, I'll open it and uh, bring down a full glass of wine and put it on my table when I'm teaching movie yoga. And got these new folks out there, some new folks. And I could see by the look of somewhere around where, no, where Anne is sitting there, this look of someone's face like... And they'd look at, I could see them looking at the glass of wine. This is not what... And a lot of people think I'm a monk. Because I have, you know, the, the title Lama, so they think I'm a monk. And I used to wear, used to have short hair, so you know, it's clear, clearly a monk. He's got a glass of wine there. But what was interesting was, I let it bug them. I could just see their face, you know. And here I'm teaching about illusion. I'm teaching about maps, the whole thing, right there. And they're not getting. And I waited and waited and waited until I, I, I said, "Yes, what was your?" Are you going to drink that wine? You know, it's like, it's just it was driving them crazy. I said, there's an image of your, there's an image. So I had a sip and I said, there's an image, the whole time there's now, an, there's an image of a glass in your consciousness driving you crazy. That's all it is. No glass out here. It's in there. And there's stories about me and should I or shouldn't I, this whole thing. And that's life. 
For most people, that's what life is. It's driving them crazy. It was about the time, if I had the computer set up, you know, we play uh, Niles Barkley, right? Driving me crazy, you know that story? Oh, it's marvelous. You know Niles Barkley? You don't know Niles Barkley. Where have they been? Where have they been? Go look it up when next when you're back on the computer, you know. Look up uh, videos by Niles Barkley. Niles Barkley. Niles. Niles with an N. And no, no, Gnarls, Gnarls Barkley, uh, very famous American singer, was famous, I don't know if he is anymore, but uh, you're, you're driving me crazy? Song's called Crazy. Crazy, it's called Crazy. Great song. The lyrics, by the way, are, are remarkable lyrics. I actually have them on my computer. I really like the lyrics are great. And the song is marvelous. But it's driving people insane, these these maps and these imaginary images are just conjuring tricks of the mind, are driving people neurologically, electrochemically, neurohormonally nuts. And it's called normality. This is the illusion. This is the illusory suffering. This is what the Buddha called the ignorance, not knowing what reality is. Okay? So you have to wake up out of it. Wake up. Like being in a movie theater one day and you go, what? Ah! Projector. <laughs> theater. I'm out of here. Open the door and there's light out there. Wow. wow. Like in The Matrix. Matrix is a wonderful movie for that. You know? Snapping out of The Matrix. Nobody's doing it to you. It's just a matter of evolution. And evolution didn't do it because there's no such thing as a person behind evolution. It's a built-in survival mechanism and a built-in system that is not uh, adaptable for liberation, but it certainly is adaptable for socialization. We're, we're animals. We produce babies. We uh, sustain ourselves. Excellent for socialization, that sort of thing, but not for liberation. Okay. That illusion, studying that illusion, is your way out. Take a good look at yourself in the mirror. That is meditation. Take a look at the mirror. You don't look at at anything in the mirror, you're looking at a mirror. You say, I'm seeing myself in the mirror. You see nobody in a mirror. You see an image in a mirror. That's all. Okay, any questions? Yes. Since you brought up the subject of sex. Sex. Yes. I did? After the... I did? Yeah. In, in, any, in any intimate relationship, after the initial... Attraction based on um, images. If if you consider the two most important factors of an intimate relationship, it's trust, which gives you confidence, mm -hmm. and body smell. Mm -hmm. And body smell, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I always say to people when they when they say oh they've when they say they've fallen in love or they they're starting a new relationship, I say. You better like their smell. I mean, I want, every once in a while people come to me and say, you know, I'm having a problem with my relationship. I'm, having, I'm thinking about leaving them. I'm, and I just, I, I'll have to ask. I ask one question. Just tell me. I do it, you know, gently and just come around to it. Do you like their smell? When they say, mm, not really. That's finished. It's finished. That's all I need to know. Just finished. 
a year, two years, three years, that's it, finished. If you like their smell, it's deep. It's deep. And number two, you better be good friends. And if you're not, watch out. It's just a, fan it's a fantasy. Fantasy. Better be good friends and you better like the, the uh, chemistry, body chemistry. Which is mostly, my, uh, by the way, shall I be a little bit, microbial breakdown products. <laughs> if you'd like to know. You better like their microbial communities. It's not them. It just happens to be the microbes that have infested them, that live on them and in them, that you enjoy the uh, outgassing and the waste products uh, mixed in with the uh, various chemicals of their being. And that's what you enjoy because each, and, and each being has different um, communities and different signatures depending on the body chemistry, genetics, uh, history of the being, conditioning, and stress, and everything else. Beings can smell awful, you know, because they're stressed. The mental state has a lot to do with smell. A lot to do with smell. You can smell like an abattoir. Or you can smell like roses. You can smell like a slaughterhouse or you can smell like roses, or violets, or orchids. Yeah, you can. Or you can smell like an absolute slaughterhouse. And you should be very sensitive to people's smells because they tell you all kinds of things. And most of smell is picked up, not uh, ordinary smell, it's picked up further in the nose. That goes below the radar. You know, say you don't use a certain word on unconscious. But it's below the radar. That you're reacting to all the time, but you don't even know you're reacting to it. Fear, wholesome, unwholesome, like, dislike, mate, don't mate, uh, trust, not trust, all kinds of signaling is going on by, by uh, smell. Can you pick it up? Or are you going, as you're, you're pointing out, are you going by a visual image of how pretty they are? How long does that last for? See? How pretty are they? How, how handsome are they? How pretty handsome are they? How long is that, you know, is that what's doing it? Or do you appreciate the being? Do you appreciate the being? Or, do you, or is it you go on a coral reef and go, I'm bored after three dives. I'm bored. It's the same old coral reef. I see sponges and I see coral and I see trigger fish and I, I see lobsters. And it's the same old coral reef. How boring. I've seen that. Can I, which other dive site can we go to? Can we get a new one, please? I saw that one yesterday. How about another wreck? I've heard all this stuff. You know? I don't miss make it up. I want to go to another, another dive site. I saw that one. Saw what? an infinitude of possibilities you've never seen before. In the same way that you're looking, you're living with a being, you're with a being, have you ever really seen them before? They should be a marvel every day. A marvel. Shocking. Surprising. Bewitching. Bewildering. Really. Every day. So very true, Nathan. 
smell is very deep. Very, very deep. So let's, uh, oh yes. Is that um, both body smell and also breath smell? Yeah. Yeah. But uh, say body smell is probably more primary, unless, unless the, uh, the, yeah, the breath smell is important too. Uh, breath smells also measure sometimes of, um, of disease, of um, fitness. You know, it is, it is known, and the studies have been done, that, that uh, both males and females measure genetic alignment and fitness for mating based on smell. Here's, here, this, you'll find this, I, you probably know this already, but, but many people don't. What happens, the schizophysiology is that you mate or you, you have a relate, an intimate relationship with somebody where the genetic mating alignment doesn't match the imagination. So in other, in other words, the fantasy of what you're supposed to get actually doesn't match the genetic match of what you should get if you are going to have children and if you were going to, to live together long enough to have children raise children. So the mismatch of being raised in a culture that goes, ah, that's what a female, that's what a male is supposed to be like, that's the ideal beauty, the ideal wonder, yeah? Doesn't match what you're picking up at a much deeper level. Watch out. Watch out. It's going to be difficult. And by the way, when people break up, it's not just because of smell today. It's nothing to do with, necessarily to do with that at all. Economically, uh, people don't have to stay together. This is, I don't know if you know, it's a fact of life. Is economically, males and females uh, traditionally really had to stay together. Today, they don't. If something changes or something like that, it's not just spell bonding. They can go, well, I'm out of here. I got a visa card, you got a visa card, I'm out of here. Like students. Students don't like something, they got a visa card, I'm out of here. As, 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 as wise old Jamie said, uh, you know, the best thing for students is you take away their visa card. Then they'd actually, uh, it's good, that's a good place to start, no visa card. No money in the bank. That's the way it used to be. You know, in the olden days, just your passport. No money at all. That was good. You sink or you swim. But, but uh, so, so today it's very complex because there's so many factors involved in relationships. Uh, and and uh, the marriage institution of, ha of, of actually having people stay together, uh, sociologically, economically, uh, is changing all the time. And, and if you study it really in depth, you'll see that most of why people stay together and mate and do what they do, most of it's economic and changes culturally over time. People just think, oh, well, people are supposed to be bonded for all life. No, that's not actually how it's ever worked. It's actually not how it's worked. It's not. It's not. But, but economics keeps changing uh, how people relate to each other. And people say, oh, it's the, I'm, I'm doing it this because of this reason. Don't really know why they're doing it. Well, your boat has come. Is tomorrow, I think Laurie said tomorrow is the last day of this? Good.
Let's do that. Let's get together tomorrow. Is there one more dive tomorrow, I think? Or if you like. We'll see about that tomorrow. Today I needed to catch up on uh, administration scheduling for the next year, so I really need to take time off from that uh, this morning. And uh, we'll see about, uh, see about tomorrow. Also, I need to pack up microscopes and all kinds of stuff. And, and uh, all kinds of things. We'll see. We'll see. Okay. Good. Well, we will have a, uh, at least what we call theoretically a final class uh, tomorrow afternoon. By this powerful activity, may it lead to the cessation of suffering for all beings, without exception. And may all beings be healthy and happy, and may all beings be established in a continuity of freedom, the perfect unity of wisdom and compassion. Sarvamangalam, 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 many blessings, many blessings, many blessings.